Hey, uh, I'm excited to actually get into today's passage um, from the beginning. So there isn't anything uh, to kind of like hook us or get us like super excited about this topic, except for the passage. Uh, it, It just speaks for itself. So here it is. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear. It is not, not, wait, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which they are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So 17 times... Um, 17 times is the, the quantity of times today before I came here, somebody asked me, how are you? I, I, I counted and I have this thing for counting and I got asked 17 times and it's pretty early. Um, but I've been out at the store. I've been to the optometrist. I've been to the bank. Um, I've been all over and, and 17 times people have said, how are you? And it isn't the arbitrary, how are you? Like, hey, how are you? It was, it's like, they're excited to see me and they ask, how are you? And I always come to this point of feeling perplexed by that question, although it's a super common question, right? Like, so in the past couple hours, 17 times, I should get good at saying, how are you? or to give the answer to how are you, but I'm really terrible at it because it's so common and there's such, so much behind it that it's kind of like, so I'm like, do I tell the truth? And then how do I tell the truth? Because the truth is so complex to me um, that I can be good, I can be bad, I could be terrible and things are fine and God is good, but I'm experiencing hell all at the same time. So how do I tell you that's how I'm doing in the how are you thing? But I enjoy counting things. So 17 times people ask me, how are you? And so I'm standing here about to do this teaching and I'm thinking, man, did I tell the truth all those 17 times? And because I enjoy counting, I got something to ask you. Um, What is the com- the command in the Bible that shows up 365 times. Um, out of everything that God says in the Bible that you can't 
do or you have to do, there is something in the Bible that God says 365 times. And I'm going to tell you the answer at the end. But 17 times, that's the amount of times that people ask me, how are you? And I answered, I'm doing great. Uh, because I am. I am I am doing great today. Um, I got up. I, I got up super early. I got up around four o'clock and the birds began to sing. <laughs> I'm already crying. What the heck? Um, so I'm already singing. The, 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 the birds were singing. I got up. I felt great. I slept super awesome. I, I brewed a whole pot of coffee and I sat at the table and I drank the entire thing before I thought of anything. Like I just sat at the table and I drank a whole pot of coffee. And the coffee hadn't been perfect coffee, but it was good coffee. And I just started to think about all the things that, that I was thankful for. It was just like these super, you know, common things. Like I'm thankful I'm sitting at this table. I'm thankful for this coffee. I'm thankful for this day I'm having. I'm thankful um, that I get to come here and do this sermon. I'm thankful uh, that I'm a father. And I'm just like going through all these things. And it's just like, man, today hasn't even begun. And it's a good day. And I'm complex though. And I have good days and I have bad days. And sometimes I have a good hour and then a bad hour and they go back and forth. And I've, I've been drawing these common themes between the things that are good and the things that are bad. And it seems that the times that I am focusing on the things that are actually happening and the things that God is actually doing that it seems kind of like everything is going to be okay. Like th th there are these things that shimmer throughout the day in between the hard things that are like, oh man, God is present and God is here and how could anything go bad? But then then something goes bad. I mean, like, I mean, think about it. Like, I, I, I mean, the tiniest things can set us off to answer, I'm having a bad day or I'm having a hard time. Like, uh, it, I, I, so I could be, be in the spot that I'm experiencing great things. And then I go outside and there's a part of the house that's beginning to like fall apart or something. And then I will begin to pull apart. The, and I'm, But before I hit that spot, like I'm like, oh man, today's a good day. I just had a whole pot of coffee and 17 people ask me, you know, I'm good day. And then, and then I see this part of the house and then I peel it back and there's these things like hanging out of it. And I'm like, oh no. And then you start to peel this back. And then I begin to hate the house. And then, and, and then I'm like, oh, I hate this house. I, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, oh, um, and, and then the dog begins to bark and it's like the dog shouldn't be barking that's you know and and so I'm super angry about the house and then the dog's barking and it's like man the dog hasn't been trained who needs to train the dog and then my kids begin complaining about something the kids that I had been super thankful about before they got up they finally got up and I'm just like oh my gosh you know they're going back to school and they're already complaining about school but school hasn't begun yet and school supplies and how am I going to afford school supplies and then it's like all these things begin to spiral and all of a sudden I am a terrible father. I'm a bad provider as a human being. I'm a deep, dark sinner who, I mean, like, 
I just spiral from, I am doing great. And 17 people asked me, how are you? And I responded, I'm awesome. And all of a sudden this has shifted to, how am I? I'm doing terrible. I don't belong in front of this camera. I have a, this profound fear of public speaking because I have a speech impediment and really stink at talking. Why am I even here? right? It's a very easy shift to, I have something to say because I have the eyes on the kingdom and I see what God's doing. And I got up and the birds were singing and, and I was having this cup of coffee and this is brilliant. And I hugged people at the autometry office and, you know, like, yes. Or the fear of seeing myself as how I think I am and all the fears and the expectations that people have of me. And are they going to judge me? And can I perform how you expect me to perform and say the things that I should say? And I can't really talk. And I'm the same person. I'm the same person who has both of those expect, uh, perceptions inside. And the thing that separates the two is fear. And it's the the idea that I don't have control, it's the idea of um, something's going to happen that I don't expect. It's this idea that, that although things are okay today, what's going to happen tomorrow? And who am I going to be then? And the question that I have, and I, I think it's really big for us, is how do I increase the good days and decrease the bad days? Or how do I increase the good hours and decrease the bad hours? How, how do I turn that corner? Because the times that things feel great, they actually are great. Like it's kind of like I see behind the curtain of the thing that God's doing and he's like, do you see this? This is what I'm doing everywhere. <laughs> and then the times that things are bad, it's like that curtain is like slammed shut and there's like this titanium door that shuts down and it's like God's nowhere to be sent, found and, you know, like I have to do everything and I can't because I am me. So Jesus, who is God, he has been taking us through the greatest sermon that has ever been given given ever. Um, and, and our church has been doing this sermon series called Kingdom Culture because there's this idea that if, if, if people follow God on earth as they did in heaven, that the culture of heaven and the culture of kingdom is going to be our culture here on earth. And the sermon that Jesus gives talks about this culture. And it's very uh, countercultural to our society. It has to be. Uh, society's culture has to be different than the kingdom culture. And so our goal is to talk about the culture of heaven and the culture of God as if it's different than the things that are acceptable or applauded by culture. It's a shift. It's different. The things of God are not the things of man. And so if there are things that are like, oh, I don't think I agree with that, or that doesn't feel good, or um, that's causing this, you know, thing in my head and my heart to happen. Good for you, because that's supposed to happen. There's a shift. There's a, a different thinking. You don't think the things of God. He is 
teaching us to have his heartbeat, his cadence, those sorts of things. And so um, he just got done during our previous sermon uh, talking about a heart that's generous, a generous heart um, that does not hold on to things. And then he kind of turns the corner a bit here and he says, therefore, do not worry. And I I think that there's um, something really beautiful in this first part of the passage that he's just like, do not worry. And I'm, I'm going to set the, the scene a bit as far as the place that Jesus is doing this sermon. And I've talked about this quite a bit. First of all, he's doing this sermon. He's, he's there on a hillside, and people have come to, to see him. And um, he be- begins talking from this hillside, and he sits down. And so his Posture is a posture that it isn't confrontational at all. And you got to remember, this is God himself who is giving this sermon. He isn't confronting people. (laughs) There isn't this like pointing the finger. He's he's like, okay, I'm going to give the best sermon that someone has totally ever given. I'm going to sit down to do it because it just speaks for itself. And so... um, so he sits down and he begins bringing comfort to people, you know, and, and it begins by saying, you know, like the Beatitudes and he brings comfort and then he begins to speak in to these countercultural things uh, during the times that the Pharisees and Sadducees begins. He's still sitting on this hillside. And so then he does this idea as far as the generous heart and talking about giving and opening up and we don't need to cling and hold. And he's sitting on this hillside and the birds are chirping. It probably isn't 4 a.m., but it's sometime in the afternoon. And the birds are chirping and possibly his hands are playing in the grass and the people who are hearing him are sitting on the grass and and if i'm sitting on the grass the thing i'm doing is i'm picking it up and i'm like splitting it or i'm tying them together to do a head i do head things i don't know and um man that's embarrassing that has to be just between us um so um and and so just picturing Jesus sitting on the hillside in the grass, and then the people that are hearing him on the hillside, on the grass, and the birds are singing and flying in the air, and they're they're coming between the people on the hill, and they're picking at the food that they brought. Like, you can see this, right? Um, That's the point of this passage, because they're at this point that they've been out there. The sermon has been probably happening for about a half hour at this point. He's talked about some pretty heavy things. And people are picking at the grass. And the birds are hungry. And they're coming down. They're like fighting over, over food. And, and he just talks about being generous. And then he says, so therefore, don't worry. There's a a good pause that that sentence coming from God himself just breathes. It's like, 
Because I'm someone who is anxious. I am. I think about everything and I overthink, especially during the time of the pandemic and being by myself in quarantine and, and all the things that I was afraid of. And he d- does this thing. The thing that Jesus does at this point, because he's been so focused on people and just talking about the actions of people, he's turning towards the heart. And then he's like, look at the birds of the air, okay? Because they are in the air. And then he points them down to the grass on the hillsides that's in their very hands. And it's a very tactile expression. They can feel the grass and they can see the birds and they hear the birds. And Jesus points at them as the example of everything is going to be okay. I remember there's this time uh, during quarantine, I, I was coming to this point about like, I was freaking out. It's like, I do not belong in this house. Ugh. And, and things are hard and I'm, I'm dying to be around people. And I had somebody who is just brilliant and poetic and he said, hey, and he began to speak speak about the things that that I care about. He said, this is hokey, I get it. But it was exactly the thing that I had to hear. He said, the salmon are are spawning. The, The elk are calving. The bees are Flying, the flowers are blooming, and they don't have to do anything. It's going to be okay. And it was like, oh, so if the salmon are spawning, I'm okay. If the if if the elk are calving and the earth is continuing to spin, we're okay. And there is something in that, and that's the thing that Jesus is doing here on a hillside. He's telling people who, who have this profound sense of how do I provide for the things that I'm afraid of? How do I experience the things that God has for me, but I'm afraid? I'm afraid to stand up here in front of this camera, or I have this profound sense of public speaking. And so... There's this, there's this choice that I have. Do I participate in the fear that I have of saying everything perfect? Or do I participate in the things of the kingdom and say, I have something to say because God has something to say. And he has this heart of fear, or he has this heart to talk about fear and anxiety and that it is simply untrue because in his kingdom culture, fear and anxiety have no place. But it does have a place. I'm afraid. I hate public speaking. I'm not built for this. Like, same person. And these people on the hillside are coming and saying, what should should I do? I provide for my families. How do I store up? How do I be healthy? How do I show society who I'm supposed to be by the things that I have on? In the Hebrew culture, the thing that's very important about this passage is he talks about a couple 
different things that, that people should, should not be anxious about. They should not be, be anxious about the food that they eat, and they should not be, be anxious about their body or health, and then the clothes that they put on. Um, it's going beyond the idea of just the food that I eat and how do I survive. It's talking about, in the Hebrew culture, food is everything. The people who come to the place that you are is because of the food that you have to offer and the food that you eat. Um, the types of food that you offer there at your table is the types of food that your kids are going to grow up to eat and then begin to serve and pass down to the kids that they have. It's a cultural expectation, a society type. They aren't concerned about, am I going to die or not? It's food is at the centerpiece of culture, hospitality, family. Here's who I am. What do I have? The other thing is, is their bodies. Um, don't be concerned about your body. Like, think about that. Who is concerned about our bodies? Everybody. Um, everyone is concerned about their body. But like body image, body health, um, how long our bodies are going to survive. Um, these are things that I'm obsessed thinking about. Like from the day you're born, like you're thinking, am I, am I okay? It, it, so is this physical thing going to sustain the thing it's supposed to do for as long as possible? And do I truly have to die at the end of it, you know? Um, and then just b body image and health. And the, the biggest fear people today have is the fear that they are going to die. And I think that's perplexing because they are going to die. Like, we are all going to die. The second biggest fear is the fear of getting sick. You are going to get sick. Like, it's just, and I mean, and, and then, I mean, like, and then after that, it's all about public appearance. The third biggest fear is public sp sp speaking, right? I mean, oh, it's so good. And so, um, He's, do not be concerned about the food that you eat, your body, or the clothes you wear. And so that's the other thing that I think is very interesting. It's the food that, that you eat, the things you consume, the body that you are, and then how you cover it up. Um, think about that, because the poetic ties here go into everything. Like everything that you are is driven by consuming something, becoming something, and then asking, so should this be covered up? Like, or, you know, like, and, and then how do I show I've done this? I put it on. I, it's, do you see what's happening here? In, in the Jewish culture, the clothes that you have is the person that you are. It's the farmers had farmer clothes. The, 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 the people who had cattle had c 
cattle clothes, the shepherd, shepherd clothes, the Pharisees, the Pharisees clothes, the upper class people, upper class clothes. It was this public display of here's who I am, here's the thing I do, um, and here's the favor that has been upon me. And who is Jesus talking to again on this hillside? He's talking to, to everybody who is probably sizing each other up. How are they sizing each other up? By the things that they have on and by the things they are eating. Um, and, and furthermore, this sermon is happening in the daytime. And in the daytime, that's the time people do what they do and produce what they produce and earn their income. And they're probably at this point that they're beginning to think it's probably time to go and tend to the cattle. It's probably time to go and and begin to tend to the fields. It's probably time to go. And like, I have to get back to produce. And then it's like, oh, don't worry uh, about the food you eat, the clothes that you wear, um, and your body. And then he does this by pointing at the birds of the air. And he's like, the birds of the air. Like, think about the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow. It's, it's like he's calling out, they are not farmers, but check them out. Like they are eating and they are here and they are in the same presence that this sermon is happening. And it seems kind of like they're doing okay to me. And he's talking to who? He's talking to people who are farmers. And there isn't this shaming of being farmers. He's comparing the birds to the farmers themselves saying, these birds here, they're not farmers. They cannot plant seeds, but you do. You are farmers. It's, it's kind of like this, this calling up, and you can kind of, you do this. They don't, but they're taken care of, and so are you. And it's like, wow, you're right. I can get my hands dirty. I can produce. I can bear the image of God. Like that type of theme. And then he points to the grass on the hillsides and the flowers that are growing. And I'm assuming that they're pretty spectacular because he compares them to King Solomon himself. The, the Jewish people... How they talked about King Solomon was he was the pinnacle, the pinnacle of human. He did it all correct. He was brilliant. He was handsome. He he had he he owned like the planet, you know. And so so thinking about King Solomon, he was successful. And here's God Himself who's pointing at the hillside, going, "Man, just to be honest." The hillside is doing a better job just doing the thing that it does than King Solomon himself. Um, just by being here, by doing the thing that God created it to do, and that is to grow. There has to be this like coming back to don't worry. It's 4 a.m. Pour a cup, a pot of 
coffee, sit at the table, enjoy it. Um, It's okay. There has to be that breath because it's so easy at that point that he's telling these people on the hillside, guys, it's going to be okay. You are God's kids and he loves you and adores you and provides for you. He will give you the things you need. And then he's like, but don't chase after food, body image, and clothes because that's the thing the pagans do. He turns that corner harsh. He's like, don't do that because they chase after those things because they don't have a clue whose table that they are sitting at and who provides the food on that table. They don't understand who built that body that they're in and and how how that body is adored. They don't understand um, who's created the clothes that they have. And, and I, mean, I mean, go back to the beginning of the Bible. Who provides all these things? The pagans have no idea. The term pagan at its core and simply is people who don't see God. That's the thing that pagan actually is. Those that don't see God. And there is a a direct separation between those who see God and those who don't see God. Those who see God experience joy and peace. Those who don't see God are experiencing fear and anxiety. I'm going to beg the argument that it isn't just simply people who have seen God. Like I have seen God do this, or I have seen, it's people who see God, who see God first thing as they get up in the morning, people who see God throughout their day, people who see God in the space that they are. And they say, yeah, I'm doing pretty great because God is right by my side. If you can't see God, it should cause fear and it should cause anxiety because God is who brings a path before us. God is who is, 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 is guiding us down through things that are hard and difficult and complex. If I can't see God, I sit down. I sit down and I say, God, where are you? I'm afraid. (laughs) Because that's the feeling that I get during the times that I can't see God. In the Bible, 365 times, God himself says, do not be afraid. I am here. 365 times. That is the the I mean, like, this is the thing that God seems to be doing all throughout the Bible is telling people, here I am. Don't be afraid. I am right by your side. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am here. Do not be afraid. I am here. 365 times. It's kind of like for every day on our calendar, he's saying, I'm right here. Do not be afraid. I'm right here. Do not be afraid. I'm right here. Do not be afraid. 
afraid as if there's this dichotomy between the people who can see God and those who can't see God. And those who can't see God, his goal is by saying all throughout time, I'm right here, do not be afraid. Because there are some of us in this space, if somebody asked us, how are you? Our heart says, I'm afraid because I can't see God and I don't know what is going on. And God is saying, I'm right here, do not be afraid. I'm right here, do not be afraid. I'm on the hillside picking at grass and pointing at the birds and the air and the earth is spinning and the salmon are spawning and the elk are calving, do not be afraid. And in that time that our hearts call out to God and God says, I'm right here, there is the exhale as if there's a proverbial going back to this beginning of the passage that he's like, do not worry, breathe. Some of you just need to take a breath and chill out. How this passage comes to the end is just solid. It's the answer to all things. If if you ever had a desire for the answer for all things to happen, it's this. Seek first the kingdom and everything else is going to be added to you. And uh, I think that's it. Like, This is the answer to all things. Seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom culture, the the God who is on the throne, the desire for for people to, I mean, like, (laughs) seek first the kingdom, then everything else. But the countercultural thing here is, and how our societies are built and how human hearts are built is like, yes, I am going to, I am going to pursue the kingdom of God. I am going to be part of that. But first, I have this part of the house that is falling apart. And there are things behind it that if I don't fix it, it's going to be a very big expenditure. And the dog is barking and I have to fix the dog. And who's supposed to be training the dog? And the Kids just got up and I feel like a bad parent because there's not breakfast on the table, but I promised them pancakes and I forgot and I'm a really bad parent and all of a sudden I forgot about the kingdom of God. (laughs) You see, all of the answers are here because it's seek first the kingdom of God. If our eyes are on the kingdom of God and our eyes are on the father who is on the throne and our eyes are on Jesus who has done it all and he's pointing at the birds in the air and the grass on the fields. Then I'm brought back to this place of like, oh yeah, the birds are chirping. I can hear them and they are happy and I'm drinking coffee and I'm hugging people at the optometry place and high-fiving 
people I don't even have a clue who they are. And it seems as if the earth shimmers because I'm seen behind the kingdom and I am proud of who I am and that I have something to say. And I'd say, at that point, I'm just dying to ask you, how are you? Because the answer is really complex, but it's really easy. Do you see God? Lord, thank you for the things that you show us and the God that you are and the hope that you bring and the shattering of fear and anxiety that you are. Lord, thank you for being a God who cares about our hearts, about our fears and our anxieties and the things that we hold so close. Show us that it's all untrue. Show us that you are here. Show us that there has been a table that is set in the presence of the, the enemies and the darkness and the valley of the shadow of death, that you create parties to be experienced in a place that parties don't belong. Lord, show us the great banqueting table now. Amen.